put your hands together, please. Let's welcome Dave as he comes to share God's word with us. Thank you very much for your very warm welcome. Thank you, Dan. It is a genuine joy to be with you because over the last uh, two and a half years, I have managed to uh, be online with lots and lots of people, as you can imagine, and also to be in person uh, as soon as we were able to get back into travelling again, which was just a great joy. And the only problem was that last uh, February, when we were due to come, uh, Liz um, sadly got COVID, and so she was too poorly uh, for me to actually leave her. And I think at that time, if I'd come up and I'd tested positive, I'd have ended up staying here for longer than... I love you, but not longer than <laughs> it would have been necessary. And then, tragically... Um, on, I think it was in May, uh, the night before I was due to, Liz and I were due to fly here, um, I actually tested positive. I survived two years and three months or something and then tested positive, so I was not able to come as well. So this was a, the only place I never got to was Scotland. I'm so sorry about that. But uh, here we are today, which is great. And we believe in the sovereignty of God and the timing of God, don't we? But one of your esteemed elders, um, Dan Hudson, said to me as I arrived, third time lucky. So there we go. And here I am. It's good to know that people believe in the sovereignty of God like that, isn't it, really? So third time lucky I'm here. Apologies from Liz. Her sister, who lives in the United States, um, married to an American guy, she uh, just flew in, I think, two days ago having not seen one another for five years. And that's the kind of world we live in now, isn't it? You're kind of all using these wonderful opportunities to come back together, which is really, really wonderful. Um, it's been a great trip so far here to, uh, for me, meeting, as Dan said, these other churches, which has been absolutely wonderful. And just the sense as we emerge out of this very strange time that, that God is doing some new things, that there's an emerging church that's beginning to become emboldened, and God is meeting with us in different ways, which is absolutely wonderful. I was so thrilled to hear on Friday night that 40 or so of you gathered to really pray into the future and things that God's going to be doing in the days to come, which is wonderful. I think we live still in that uh, uh, kind of between stage of, of really helping one another. We're still a bit wounded and scarred and a bit tired and it's up to us to be very tender and loving and kind to one another. But I think in leadership terms, you don't mind me sharing about this, do you, for a little while? But in leadership terms, it's still that kind of slight tension of, of wanting to patiently love and care. And at the same time, knowing that there's, uh, there's a lot before us. There's a world out there to reach with the gospel, that there are many, many people's lives who are even more sometimes damaged than any of our lives and uh, as we just heard in the worship time, which was so beautiful, that wonderful song at the end about I have names and sheep that are yet to be part of this fold. And our calling is to kind of reach out towards them. And just to say for me, as we were worshipping together, I, I just loved what was happening. There was a richness of receiving. There was a richness. This happens sometimes when the Spirit of God blows on our worship. You could just sense we are, we are so grateful to God that when we gather in his presence, he comes and meets with us. This is not a ritual. This is not singing songs. This is actually encountering the living God. And in all different ways, in different experiences, we have those moments 
of being enriched and, and, and encountering him. And there, is a, there are many reasons why we need to have those moments together. I want to encourage you. God's heart is that he wants to do that more and more and more amongst us as, as his people. This is a time of refreshment. It's a time of restoration. It's a time of, of the battered ones amongst us just being healed by God. And then you notice that, that wonderful song at the end is just like this kind of little reminder that one of the reasons we are being enriched is that we have a message that can go and enrich the lives of people who do not yet know Jesus. And I just love that. So we're receiving much, but why? (laughs) Well, we're receiving because we need to receive, but we're also receiving because God wants to send us to people who are far, far away from the kingdom of God, which was you a few years ago, by the way. And so there's that wonderful combination. You sense the heart of God. And I was so thrilled because it really ties in with something that I want to share with you this morning. Um, I was due to be with you in May, and it was at the end of a series of teaching that you were doing on the Holy Spirit. Does anybody remember the Holy Spirit series? Just encourage me. Put your hand up. Okay, quite a lot of you remember the Holy Spirit series. Seems like a long time ago now. And you are about to do a series, I've been told, hope this is right, on the Great Commission. Looking at that passage, those last words of Jesus, speaking about uh, being sent, going out, all authority is given that you might go and proclaim, and that you might reach these lost sheep, as we were hearing about in our worship. And so I've come back to the place, and I think this is really tough, just, just, to, just to speak a, a brief word this morning on, I was going to finish the Holy Spirit uh, series on, and the Holy Spirit sends you. And now you're about to do a teaching on the Great Commission, which you can't do unless you have the power of the Holy Spirit to send you. All those things you're going to be hearing about over the next few weeks will not be done through self-effort and trying hard. They will be done by people willingly saying, Holy Spirit, I need you to go and do these things. So the title of this word this morning is the Holy Spirit sends us. Because we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do these things. We cannot be sent without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that power that we need is a person. A lot of Christians think that the Holy Spirit is an experience. Well, you do experience the Holy Spirit. I've been married for 43 years. I am still experiencing my wife. You know, it is a genuine experience. But she's also a person. And we have a relationship. The key for us as Christians is to not, re- to not think, oh, I need an experience of the Spirit, but to realize on a day-by-day basis, you have been given the Holy Spirit if you were born again. And if you live in the power of that person, you will begin to know the power and the anointing of that person to go out and proclaim the gospel and to speak to people about Jesus and to be a witness. So I want to kick off with this verse. John chapter 16, verse 7. If you know your Bibles, you know that in John 14 to 16, Jesus incessantly talks to his disciples about the person, the Holy Spirit. And you can imagine what it was like. The the disciples are living with Jesus. Every day is just a wonderful day. You know, is this going to be a Jesus heals everybody day or Jesus just heals one person? Is this going to be a day when he breaks bread? Is this going to be, you know, to feed the thousands? Is this going to be when someone might be raised from the dead? I mean, this is never going away. This is life. This is absolutely amazing. 
The crowds are coming. It's exciting. Now, Jesus starts to say things like this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Now, it's, 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 a great, it's a very strange thing for people who are living with Jesus to think, you're going? You're going away? They didn't really understand. But he says, it's, it's to your advantage that I go away. Now, they didn't know it, but one day they would understand this completely. Why was it to their advantage that Jesus should leave them, that he was going to die on the cross, that he was going to be raised from the dead, and he's going to ascend to the right hand of the Father? It was so when that happens... The same spirit that was upon Jesus would then come upon them. And rather following a man in bodily form around, that bodily form Jesus raised from the dead, the spirit of God would then come and indwell them and be upon them. So the things that Jesus was doing, they could now do. And on the day of Pentecost, when the spirit of God was poured out upon them, maybe for the first time they realized he's back. Jesus is back. The Holy Spirit is back with us, and he is anointing us. And I know these are very familiar words. I mean, Kings is a very you know, rich, theologically you know, established church community over many years. But listen to these words yet again. It's good to be reminded of them. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. While staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, you know, when is this going to happen? Look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when you read chapter 1 of the book of Acts, it is, it's just a strange kind of encounter you have with these people. Jesus has gone. There doesn't seem to be any advantage of him going. They're locked away. They're frightened of the Jews and the religious people. They're nervous. They wonder, have we been kind of making all this thing up? But they're kind of gathered because Jesus said, wait, and we just don't know what that feels like. It, 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 is, it doesn't fill you with tremendous hope that these are the people that are going to turn the world upside down right now. They look a bit beleaguered. They look a bit confused. They, 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 they're definitely full of fear. And then chapter 2 starts, and there was a the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised came upon them. And the result of that coming upon them that, that powerful encounter of the Holy Spirit as he comes upon them is that it results in them going out onto the streets, proclaiming the gospel with power and signs and wonders and miracles, fearless, bold, and courageous. The very thing that Jesus said would happen to them, you will be my witnesses, I will give you power, has happened. Now, please listen, this is really important for us here in the 21st century. The only difference between chapter 1 and chapter 2 is a person. These are the same people. Sorry, that was a bit loud. These are the same people. 
They are the same people. There are, they are no different. They haven't gone through some kind of weird other transformation. They haven't had a, a therapy series. What's happened is that they're, they're just in this situation. They're frightened, and now they're transformed. I mean, they, they just look at the two chapters. The transformation is beyond recognition, and the only difference is a person. You and I don't have to wait like they did anymore because that person is here. That person is available now. See, the word of God says that this person, the Holy Spirit, is a promise from the Father to all of God's people. In fact, Joel, you know, it was prophesied through Joel, but Peter says, this is the promise to you and your children's children and all those who are far off for 2,000 plus years. People all over the world, fearful, looking in. Spirit of God comes, power, transformation. There are no other solutions or answers. He is enough. And I think it's a very brave Christian today, looking out from the Western world, in Europe particularly, saying, we don't really need this person. (laughs) I mean, we need him like you cannot believe. We need him not just a one-off experience. We need him as a daily empowering of our lives. And I know my own life, I cannot do what he's called me to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need him. And if the only difference was a person then, it's the same for us today. We need him. We need this promise to come into our lives. I only have one point today, which is very unusual for me because I usually have three. In fact, this would really, she's really sad that she's not here because she's always listening to me give three points. And she's never heard me do one point before. And she's missing it. And the one point I want to really labor is this. The Holy Spirit has come to do many things. Your series back in May, whenever, would remind you of the many things the Holy Spirit has come to do. But the priority, this is what's important, of why the Holy Spirit comes is to, for you and me to be empowered to share our faith with people who do not know Jesus. And any other emphasis of the Holy Spirit that takes you away from that should be at least questioned as to whether or not it is genuine. The day of Pentecost really highlights this sense of being sent because the result of the coming upon of this person is that they go. It is not that he comes upon them and that he stays. That is the priority of the moment. I'm a bit fearful that if the Holy Spirit was to come to to us today, the result would be a conference because we internalize so much of what the Spirit does. So the Spirit of God was poured out upon King's Church in Edinburgh, and they were signs and wonders, and then they had a conference about how to do that more. It doesn't result in a, com- in a conference. It results in people going. So in other words, the Spirit propels them, sends them out into what he has called them to do. It's interesting. It's a big hint that this is the desire of the Spirit because the result of Pentecost is 3,000 people being saved and being added to God's kingdom and his purposes. A person who is filled with the Spirit but doesn't feel sent needs to reflect on their experience of the Spirit. A church that claims to be a Spirit-filled community 
must be a people who understand that mission isn't something we tack on to the end of our already busy program, but rather is central and uppermost in all that God has called us to do. I don't know whether you are aware, but the word apostolic, actually in the Greek, it means to be sent. And so we are an apostolic people. It's not unusual for us to talk about being sent. But our problem is being sent without the Spirit is, is, means we lack the power and authority that he gives us. So you could misunderstand what my burden, my one point, my burden this morning, you could misunderstand it because, well, Dave was saying, you know, it's just about going. It's about receiving and going. Do you get that? This is not dialing down on the Holy Spirit. If the, if the end result is, is sending out into a world that doesn't really know Jesus, we need more of the Holy Spirit, not less. But our, our purpose on receiving more is to be more equipped and more enabled so that we do go in his power and not in our own strength. That was what I believe is so important for us. And this is really, really important because any genuine encounter with the Holy Spirit has got to have that element about it because the Holy Spirit has actually come to do many, many wonderful things. But the danger for us is that we begin to internalize his activity and keep it to ourselves. So here you are, you're an individual, you're a Christian, and you, you are learning to walk in the Spirit and live by the Spirit, and he is encountering you, and you are receiving from him, which is absolutely wonderful and necessary. But without that inclination, that bias of the Spirit working in you that's saying, come on, give this away, come on, go out, go out and proclaim, then you will end up as a kind of internalized Holy Spirit experiencing kind of person, which is not the final outcome of God's will or intention. Or corporately, as a church, we have opened ourselves to fresh encounters of the Holy Spirit. But if we begin to contain what God is being given, wants us to give away, then we will fall short of his calling upon our lives. Let me remind you of this scripture. It just drives the point home. Uh, by the way, I'm a kind of preacher that if I think you haven't got what I'm saying, I just keep repeating it over and over again. So little hints, look as if you really are engaged with me, because then I can get to the end. Isaiah 61. I've even preached on this chapter here in this church a few years back. But it just hits you when you're trying to bring this new emphasis or this old emphasis. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Pause. So that's what we've been talking about, the spirit of the Lord. We need the spirit of the Lord. We can't do things without his anointing. We can't do things in our own strength. So we need the anointing of the spirit of the Lord. But look at the fruit immediately, the outcome, to bring good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, open the eyes of the blind, comfort those who... It's all about giving out. Beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of spirit of heaviness. We've got a lot of mourning, heavy, broken-hearted, captive people all around us right now who don't know Jesus. The Spirit comes on us so that we might proclaim to them. And even verse 4, they shall 
build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. It's all about out there. It's all about the streets. I haven't sung that song, by the way, about, you know, streets. And I was thinking, oh, this is really exciting. I'm going to mention this in my preach. Get it out. It's not internalized. It's out there for the people who don't know Jesus. There is a theme. There are themes in the Bible from from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. You could do Bible studies on them. And one of them is about the river of God. And from Genesis and then right through to Revelation, right in the final chapters of the Bible, there's a lot about a river. And it's the river of God that flows through the people of God. And it flows through the people of God that it might go out into the nations. In other words, as we receive the river of God, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, into our lives, we rejoice in the river, we drink in the river, we receive the river, but if it's only for our own benefit, the river will stagnate. And tragically, if you know anything about church history, you will know, and Scotland will be full of, you know, buildings, ancient buildings that represent this, rivers have come and then they didn't go out. They got stagnated, and it became institutionalized, and it kind of lost its sense of purpose and anointing. Every time we hear about the river, there's what Ezekiel, amazing revelation. The river comes from the temple, and it goes through the temples, and and we're invited. It's like a mighty river, and we we Christians are invited, if I can put it that way, to, to swim in the river and take our feet off, and it's just wonderful. It's all about the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't end there. It says, and this river goes out with healing to the nations. By the way, Jesus said, come to me, everyone who is thirsty, and drink. And what does he say? And I will give you this drink. And rivers, river, rivers of living water. Not only is there a river coming through the people of God out into the world, but it's in you as well. And rivers of living water are there in your life, not to be contained by you, but to be allowed to flow so it has an impact on people who don't yet know Jesus. It never stagnates. It's never contained. It's always flowing through us and beyond us. So a church that experiences genuinely the work of the Holy Spirit, which, as I keep emphasizing, we desperately need, does not result in splashing around in charismatic puddles. (laughs) Some of you, you're getting what I'm trying to say here. It actually results in a river that empowers us to go. And I'm going to be sitting here, or I won't be, but you will be sitting here these next few weeks listening to teaching, the Great Commission, the Great Commission, the Great Commission. And sometimes you'll feel, I can't do this. And sometimes you'll feel, this is overwhelming. This is way beyond. If you knew the people at work or the people at Unity or the people in the street and even members of my own family, this is, this, is, this, is, this is just so difficult and so tough. And what you're missing is the Spirit of God is within you. The Holy Spirit is being poured out. He is the one who will give you the energy and give you the courage and give you the boldness to be able to speak in his name. And sometimes it's not just speaking, is it? It's just living. People don't just listen to our words. They watch the way that we live our lives. It's so important. I've had the privilege in, in a long decades now on, on two or three occasions, living through what I would call intense outpourings of the Holy Spirit, like globally. And praise God, he's 
come to this country and has done things in our lives. But we're not there anymore. I'm not still living in those intense moments because the purpose was never, ever to stagnate. You can't stay where the Holy Spirit is then moved on. It's a bit sad watching Christians trying to keep something going that the Holy Spirit started, but guess what? The Holy Spirit's kind of moved on. It's wonderful to have intense moments of the Holy Spirit, but inevitably he is not wanting to stay here because he's wanting us, his church, to impact Scotland and Edinburgh and the surrounding district. That's the heart of God for us. I've got this um, desire, I've had it all week, and I woke up this morning (laughs) with this, that I would like us today, and no one one has to um, be forced, it's it's absolutely wonderful, this is not, but for people who know that we need power from the Holy Spirit to be a witness, I would like to give a few moments for us to really pray that we would receive the Holy Spirit and his power to enable us to go and not to stay where we are. Just before I get there, I just want just, to just hit this point again. When you think about what the Holy Spirit has come to do, I would argue that on every single issue, all those stuff you heard, many of you, back in that series, every single one of them has this outlet to go out into the world in which we live. Let me just very quickly give you some illustrations. The Holy Spirit has come to be our helper in every area of life. You can't really understand the Bible without the Holy Spirit. You can't really worship without the Holy Spirit. You can't really um, pray without the Holy Spirit. Relating to Christians, that's almost impossible without the Holy Spirit, in case you hadn't noticed. You know, love one another. Can you try that on your own? It's just difficult. And, and you could go on, you know, marriage. It, you, know, you need the Holy Spirit raising kids. You need the Holy Spirit. That's been my experience. You know, living life in, in a very difficult secular world, work situation. He's really come to be our helper in everything that you can possibly imagine. But it really is so that. It's not an end in itself. It's so that you and I, the end result of all of that is that we become more and more like Jesus. That is the work of the Spirit. And when you become more and more like Jesus, you will have an impact on people who don't know him. So even the Holy Spirit helper doing lots of things here, that has a result that is actually about being sent. And what about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? We experienced some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit this morning in our worship. I love the gifts of the Spirit. I don't think they're even optional. The Bible says without the gifts of the Spirit, we'll never come to maturity. They're, they're not some you know, optional thing. They're actually vital for the maturing of the church and the building up and the encouraging of one another, especially prophecy. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are really vital, but so often the Christian community makes it our domain. They're contained within our meetings. And of course, gifts of the Spirit are operating in meetings but to realize that they're not just for meetings, but for everyday life. So even you can do a bubble on the gift of the Spirit. And if you miss out the fact that these gifts are for life, that tomorrow morning, Monday, the gifts of the Spirit can operate in your life, even into an unbelieving context. 
You only have to look at Jesus sitting with the woman at the well. What's all that about? It's not a meeting. They're not in the synagogue. And he's having words of knowledge. He says to Nathaniel one day, I saw you under the fig tree. Ah! And of course, immediately Nathaniel says, I was under the fig tree. And he saw me. It's a, it's a word of knowledge. It's about to set the guy free. The woman at the well, her whole life is transformed. And guess what? The whole village is transformed. This husband is not your husband. In fact, you've had five. I mean, it's just like revelation. <clears throat> Gifts of the Spirit offer everyday life, and they are for us today. We need to understand that being sent means when we are sent, the gifts of the Spirit are operating. It's not like the gift of the Spirit says, hang on a minute, it's not 10.30 on a Sunday morning. What are you doing? It's there because you're in the anointing of the Spirit of God. Signs and wonders and miracles were operating, if you look at the book of Acts, on a daily basis. And nearly all of them were for people who didn't know Jesus. And if you're like me and you say, I long to see more signs and wonders and miracles and you know, evidence of the resurrection and Jesus moving, and you're a bit disappointed that you haven't, one of the reasons is we're not doing it enough out there. 90% of all the miracles recorded in the Acts of the Apostles were outside of meetings. They were out literally on the streets. They were where the people were. So a big hint is you are going to see more signs and wonders and miracles out there than you're going to see in here. Praise God for everything happens when we gather, but it's a means to an end. Even the fruit of the Spirit. I'm sure you looked at that. Very, very important. Even more important than gifts, the fruit. Characters more important than gifting. But even the fruit of the Spirit we can internalize. But the fruit of the Spirit is about us being empowered to display that fruit, not in meetings, but in life. Have you noticed in meetings, very little fruit of the Spirit is actually experienced. A little bit of it here and there. But it really is worked out in life generally. And the wonderful thing about that is if the fruit of the Spirit is in normal everyday life, then people are going to see and people are going to notice joy, peace, kindness, even unity. You think, oh, good, this this is an internal moment. The Holy Spirit brings unity to the local church and to churches locally. Look what Jesus said when he was praying in John chapter 17 Verse 21, praying about the unity of the people of God, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. It's an amazing statement. The whole purpose isn't that Christians are getting on well with one another in Edinburgh. The whole purpose of our unity is there's a watching world. And if we're all disunited, then it undermines the gospel. But when we come together for unity, I love unity, it's fantastic. When we come together, I've had the joy of meeting people in New Frontiers, outside of New Frontiers all this week. It's just fantastic. It's a growing sense of unity in this city in which you live. Praise God. But it's all so that the watching world might come to know him. And that is why churches like King's need to be full of diversity, that we need to be uh, genuinely full of people who, who are not naturally people who get on with one another because the gospel breaks down those barriers. 
so that the world might know. I could go on and on. Every illustration of Holy Spirit activity in us. We Christians tend to contain what God wants to give away. Amen? Final point, and then I'd love us to pray. Back into John chapter 16 is where we started, the next verse. And when he comes, we're back to Jesus talking to them about this Holy Spirit. So he already started with, far better for me that I go away to your advantage. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. The final point I want to make about this being sent is the Holy Spirit, he has already left the building and he is out there waiting for you and me. It was great being in meetings because we're all Christians and we all like one another and we all agree the same. There's that horrible moment when I step out of the building and it's not like that anymore. I want to encourage you to know as you step out of the building, you understand what I'm trying to say, out of the Christian kind of containment. He's there. He's not just contained to what we've just done for an hour and a half this morning. He's out there. and I, I, You don't look very excited about it, so I'm going to have to mention it again. I find this so thrilling as a nervous, naturally want-to-contain Christian and keep it all just as it is, that when I step out, I find the same Holy Spirit has gone before us. He's already left the building. He's out there. That verse that I've just read to you proves it. He's out there convicting men and women of sin before you. He's just waiting, would you please come because you're going to say something to this person. I've already been working on them for the last three years. We're just waiting for you. While you're in your charismatic puddle, I've been out here. <laughs> Want it where the river is, wanting you to come and share your faith. Witness about the good news of what Jesus has done for you. Folks, it's a dark, aggressive world out there, isn't it? Come on. It's cynical, it's hardened, it's proud, it's lost, it's confused, it's dismissive of people like you and me. In fact, let's be honest, it's become anti-Christian in the last decade. It's tough, it's like a kind of difficult environment, yet in the midst of all of that, the comfort is the Holy Spirit is working. You remember your story before you came to Jesus In retrospect, you look back, so many of us in this room, and it's only when we work back that we say things like, oh, he was working in me before I came to... I was actually running deliberately away in the opposite direction. And because he was working in me, he was pulling me kind of back through circumstances I can see. Every one of us can now look... Do you know what? There are people out there right now as we're sitting here, and it's happening to them. They're confused, they're lost, they don't have hope, they don't know what to do. They're waiting to hear some good news. They're waiting to hear, is there anyone that could help me and save me and move me forward? And we are the ones who have that possibility. He's preparing the ground. Amen. Amen. It's good news, isn't it? (laughs) Can we stand? We've got a few moments. We all know that church meetings end at 12 and then something turns into a pumpkin or something like that happens. (laughs) Let's just wait for a moment. 
Let's just be before the Lord. When I was looking at my notes this morning before coming out, I just felt God wanted to say to kings as a church, something's about to shift. A new season is about to happen. And it's all about sending. Believe that you are a sent people. This was, church was planted all those years ago. It was sent here to plant a church to reach people with the good news of Jesus. All these years later, praise the Lord, his grace and mercy were still here. And I believe he's now saying, having been sent, you are increasingly going to feel sent. That kings are going to literally send people to other places. But you as a church are going to feel more and more, we are here to be sent to this city and surrounding district. There is a shift coming. You still do all the things wonderfully well that you do, but the emphasis is going to be changing in the coming months. As more and more of us have just such a heart. Thank you for what we've received, Lord, but such a heart to share this with those that don't know you. But that is going back to the beginning of this word. It only can come through not my self-effort, but by through the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, we welcome you at the end of this meeting. Just in these moments, would you come upon us? Would you enable us? Some of us may feel, I came here this morning because I needed something. And you might have felt, well, I, 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 I've just received, but I just want to encourage you. Giving away is not the enemy of receiving. Being sent is not the enemy of being a gathered community. The two go hand in hand. Amen. What I'd love us to do, and no one needs to feel any pressure to do this whatsoever, but those of us that do, I would love us to spend a few moments just praying with one another. I would love us to pray for a person near us and them to pray for you, that you, before we even get into this Great Commission series, will realize that the Holy Spirit can come to strength. The prayer is only one prayer. I don't want you to pray anything else. The prayer is just, Lord, please Would you come upon us with power to send us to my family, to my friends, to my neighbors, to the people in the street in which I live, the people I do life with, even strangers, that, Lord, you would give me the same power and anointing that was happening right back there, same Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.